we got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F*** that. You don't got time sex. All right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on KLWN. We're going to be joined for the uh, Duke side of things in our KU Duke preview by Stephen Wiseman, who works for some newspapers out covering Duke. Uh, we're also going to have uh, our KU club interviews continue on, brought to you by Johnny's Tavern with the KU hockey team. Mark Francis, the KU women's soccer coach, will join us in the 5 o'clock hour. We've got coach audio to get to you with the coordinators it's going to be a uh, pretty packed show today. The wait is over, Kansas. DraftKings Sportsbook is here, and the NFL action is in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Kansas Duke line down to 7.5. It's down. Oh. Do you, do you jump on it now, or do you wait and see if you can get it even lower? I don't, I don't know, actually. That's a good question. Because I, I actually, that is not surprising that it's gone down because I think with over the weekend after KU beating Houston, there was all this hype for KU football nationally, like, oh, college game, all this other stuff, right? And now maybe that's, some of that's starting to fade, and so people are starting to, you know, go against KU. Like, oh, Duke's 3-0. They're a pretty good team, you know. The narrative's starting to switch a little bit, you know. So it actually makes sense that it's going down. I think I'm gonna wait till Friday to see what it's at because if you can, like, if it can drop even more, right? If it can drop like to a six point, and a half would be exactly great. to six where then you still have that that uh, cover on the the number seven. That would be pretty ideal. Yeah. Um, I wonder what the over under will finish at because right now that's like Is super it's high. Still sixty six. It's six six and a half now, so it went up even more. It, it started at like sixty four. Mm hmm. Now, what do you think about the team total for Kansas at 36 and a half? Well, <laughs> that's a lot of, I, I mean, mean that'd not, be their lowest scoring output <laughs> of the season, but the, it's yeah. still, I mean, if you're, if you're operating under the philosophy of over 66 and a half as possible, then I think yes, over 36 then and you should take KU, that. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So I would lean over on that, but I don't, I don't know. I think the game could be sneaky under. Really? Maybe. Just like you have a defensive coach in Mike Elko, former DC at Texas A and M. Yep. You know, we we will play you the Brian Borland audio later, but he talked about I, I asked him the question, like what what's gone into some of the slower starts? Like is it you know, is it just lack of execution? Is it something where you guys have just adjusted well? And he said it's just, you know, we just need to execute better. So what that tells me yep. is that they're not doing anything. Like, they're not having bad starts and then being like, hey, let's change it up. Let's do this, this, yeah. and this, and that's why. It tells me they're doing the exact same thing. So why could they not have a better start? And if they have a better start, you only give up 16 points in quarters two through four against Houston. You only gave up... They, they shut out West, West Virginia, Virginia in the third quarter. They yeah, shut them out in the third quarter. Yeah. Yeah, so... I don't know. I don't remember how many points they scored in the fourth. I think but. they... Uh, 14 in the fourth quarter? So, I mean, 14 in the second half. So, like, I think there's an avenue there where the game finishes... 
34 to 27. And then you're under, right? Yeah. You're but way under. I, I don't feel great about the side on that either way. That's just, I don't know. I could see that happening. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code KLWN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code KLWN, only a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Deposit restrictions restrictions apply bonus issued as free bets one boost per eligible game 10 plus leg required for 100 percent boost opt-in required parlay and wagering restrictions apply eligibility and terms at draftkings.com slash football terms derek have you heard the huge news well i heard it on fox news the huge news dayton moore oh no No, i was saying joe burrow has (laughs) deleted instagram and twitter (laughs) from his phone whoa Bengals 15 and 2 Wait, so he didn't he didn't delete like his account. He just deleted the app. I, I think he I don't know. I think he just deleted the app. So he could <laughs> if he wanted he just sure. he could just go on like safari. But he, he's and... he's deleted social media. <laughs> Derek. Fifteen and two Bengals. Are they coming? Uh no, they are not. <laughs> okay, anyways, back to the actual mm. news that you were going the the real news. Sorry, I didn't want yeah, to. Yeah, no, Dayton Moore. Dayton Moore is out. No longer will be with the Royals. Um now, there hasn't been anything said about Mike Matheny or whatnot. I would imagine this pretty much signals once the season ends, Mike Matheny's going to be out. They're probably like, yeah. what's the purpose of having an interim manager for the next week and a half? You know, like, <laughs> it'd just be silly. But um, I would assume this means big change, which we were talking with David Lesky earlier this week, and he was kind of talking about the idea that you're going to learn what kind of owner John Sherman is here over the next month or so. Is you he one that, today. yeah, I, I think yeah. you did. You learned that he is not content with what the organization is right now. And I I took this quote. Uh, How about this quote from John Sherman? Dayton talks about what a championship team looks like. I want to know what a wild card team looks like. Basically saying, not that's not him saying like, I don't want to win a championship. I only want to go to the wild card. That's him saying. We got to get to the wild card first. Yes, exactly. Which I love that quote. and, And I think that makes you feel good about the direction of the organization. You have all these young players coming up. You wonder what direction they're going to go with some of these maybe coaches that need to be fired or with some of these you know player decisions they're going to have to make and it also makes you feel like because the ownership clearly is ready to make some changes like I wouldn't be surprised if, I'm not saying the Royals are going to become the Yankees but I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised if if they're going to be more active in the offseason than maybe we're used to yeah could be and I've also I gained a lot of respect for Dayton Moore also because he was he was present at the at the press conference, and I think he even gave Dayton Moore actually gave us some statements as well. And and I would say that's pretty rare, right? That's pretty uncommon for somebody who's literally being fired to like be there also and also give some statements. So I think he's a stand up guy, you know. And it just hasn't worked out, you know. I mean, I sometimes I think in in the world of sports, people get fired and people it's like, oh, you know, bad reputation, or whatever this, that, or the other. But sometimes, you know, you just get fired. <laughs> you're just not very good, whatever this, that, or the other. There's no. No, nothing else bad about it. You know, he seems like a, a stand-up guy. But, yeah, I think for the Royals organization, it is going to be very interesting. And now I'm just really excited to have David back on the show next week to hear what he thinks about it. Yeah. So uh, look forward to that next Monday, which normally at this point in the year and the Royals are just bad. It's like, ah, do we <laughs> we got to talk more Royals? But, no, it's uh, very exciting with that. Um, but I do want to talk more KU football. So something that we've kind of been gathering along the way here is the idea of changing expectations of changing how we view, how we talk about this team, because at some point 
You know, if, if they finish the year four and eight, we talked about how that would be a huge success for this team. Yep. But at this point, with them starting three and zero, and not just starting three and zero with some fluky wins, where they have like seriously looked like the better team in all three games, and against Houston, just rolled through them, going one and eight the rest of the way. At this point, would almost be, you know, it'd be it'd be kind of sad at this <laughs> point with sad. with how high the hype has kind of gotten. So, if we're approaching this from a standpoint that Kansas is a legit football team now, that they are just a solid, that they are just a good football team, what exactly does that mean? Because that can be kind of a vague way. Like, I, I think I came in on Monday and was like, yeah, Kansas is just a good football team now. Um, Like, what does that specifically mean? Does that mean the most wins since Mark Mangino and Todd Reesing? Does it mean bowl eligibility? Do we, do we shoot higher than that? I don't know. Let's just start with the first side of that. Well, you consider... Mark Mangino and Todd Reason, mm-hmm. they did. Obviously, they went to the Orange Bowl. Then they went. Then they had an eight and five year, and then they had the last year where they kind of fell apart and went five and seven. Right. So, from that standpoint, you're thinking if that's your goal, probably six, seven, eight wins maybe for KU football mm-hmm. at that stage, and that seems pretty doable at this point. And Jalen Daniels is on pass is on pace to surpass Todd Reesing's best season. I mean, he's absolutely tearing it up, right? Which we which we've talked about quite a bit. And something else that I thought was rather interesting, and actually we heard, we played the audio earlier in the week. Lance Leipold at post game after Houston was saying, "Oh well, it's still early in the season. You know, it's still early in the season. This, that, the other." Lance, we're twenty five percent away through the season. Okay, so yeah, we're still kind of early, but we are a quarter of the way, one fourth of the way through the season. However, you want to math it up, twenty five percent, one quarter, one fourth. I don't. Are there other ways? I know. I'm, I'm happy that you could do that math though. Oh, that's I, true. I'm proud of you. We're, yes. we're, we're, <laughs> yeah, first segment of the show, math is always a little rough. But, you know, so on one hand, it's like, yeah, we're still kind of early. But on the other hand, we're 25% of the way through. And KU, as you said, has looked like the better team in all three of the games they played. And they've obviously won all three in, in pretty convincing fashion, two of them. And really, even the, even the West Virginia game, the comeback, they were, they were in control, really. Now, West Virginia came back, but they still got the win. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. And from that standpoint... Yeah, why not six wins? And even furthermore, we talked we've talked about this before. In a in a year where the Big Twelve is like kind of wide open, like seven win KU may, might finish top five, top four in the Big Twelve. Is that a realistic expectation? Um, I think it's realistic. Yeah, like that can absolutely happen. And, and I also think like when we try to figure out where this team finishes in the Big Twelve. It becomes a little weird because it's one of those things where typically, like in a given year, it's like, okay, first place, and then it's like second place. Maybe they're tied between second and third. And then like third through fifth might all have the same record. And then like sixth through eighth all have the same record. And then ninth and tenth maybe be like different. So theoretically, you could like have the same record as the fifth place team, but you're technically seventh by tiebreaker, but you could say you're a top five team. Um, so no, I, I think that's very realistic. But I also think if we're talking about Kansas being legit, Kansas being good at football, if we're just saying most wins since Mangino, I don't think that classifies. I think to me, if we're going to say Kansas is a good football team now, I think it's got to be at least... I. Well, it's not like Mark Mangino just came in immediately and was tearing it up, right? Like he had some years where he was only winning four, five, six games, whatever, right? And obviously... He went had the Orange Bowl, which mm-hmm. is what most people jump to, but it's not like he was just every year eight, nine, ten wins. No, no. There was uh the Orange Bowl and then there was the eight win season the year after. I think outside yeah. of that it was they, all you know, they, had, they had a bowl game in two thousand four or two thousand five. Yeah, yeah. And those teams were you but know again, those were like six six win teams, teams, right? Yeah. So I, I think if 
if we're talking about what exactly that means, to me, it kind of does mean like bowl eligibility. And I think yeah. this team very much can do that. I think that this team, if you beat Duke, it would almost be disappointing if you don't make a bowl game. Now, if you lose to Duke, maybe we kind of change up that conversation for the bowl game or whatnot. But that's kind of the conversation now that by beating Houston, you have that in front of you. And we talked last week. We said because of those three really tough games with Baylor, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and then the last three with Kansas State, Texas Tech, and Texas games that you're not going to be favored in but are all winnable, you would like to be 5-1 and one after the first half to make you feel like bowl eligibility is a thing. Yes. Maybe now we would say, ah, oh, 4-2 and two might get it done because maybe they could beat Kansas State and Texas. Maybe they could win, or Texas Tech and Texas win two of those three. Maybe that would be more possible now. But, again, if you want to feel secure about making a bowl, 5-1 and one is the record you want to get to. And that's why the Houston win was so important because otherwise, then you would have had to win three, your next three just to get there. Now you at least have one mistake coming your way, but I don't think it can be this week against Duke. That said, if we're sitting there and Kansas is 5-1, and one, even understanding everything we're saying about uh, the schedule getting a lot tougher for those three games after, and, and maybe we should even be having this talk now, like, should we shoot higher than the idea of this team just making a bowl game? Like, should we start talking about this team possibly being an eight-win team? Or like a top three, top four Big 12 team. Yeah. Because if I, I, everyone I, we talked to is like, where would you rank uh, Jalen Daniels right now? Like we had Kevin Flaherty on. And he was like, honestly, he'd be the one. number one quarterback in yeah. the Big 12. If you have the best quarterback in the conference, and doesn't typically for other schools they start getting talked about as like a top three team in the conference? Yeah. And uh, you know, arguably a top three or top four coach in the conference also mm -hmm. I would say at this point. So, yeah. I, I mean, again, I think. Maybe you have the same issue, Derek, but it's just difficult. It's almost difficult to wrap your head around that possibility as a KU fan, or as a KU, as someone who's watched KU and talked about KU. It's almost, it's almost difficult to to reasonably sit here and say, eight win KU, right? Like, like that's that's the joke you make when you're on the couch with your friends, right? When you're just sitting around with preseason, you're like, well, KU's going to win eight <laughs> games this year. Watch out, guys! Like that's just that's just the joke you make, but it's not a joke. And if I think. Once, like, the discussion is already obviously being had. If KU beats Duke and beats them, like, soundly and looks really good again, then I think it's like, yeah, this is very serious. Like, this is a team that could be top four Big 12, that could win eight games. Because, again, you look at their schedule, if you, you know, even if they're 5-1 and one or 6-0, or, or and oh, right? Like, it's crazy to say, but if you win one of that three-game stretch against Baylor, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State somehow, and then you win two out of your last three against Texas, Texas Tech, and K State. You're eight and four, or, or potentially nine and three, and you're yeah. probably you're probably a top three or top four team, depending on you know tiebreakers. Because again, we we talked about it yesterday. I mean, you got Oklahoma sitting at the top of the conference, and then you've got some question marks. Baylor suddenly doesn't look as as dominant as maybe people thought they were going to be. K State lost to Tulane. Oklahoma State hasn't played anybody yet, so we don't really know about. I mean, they played Arizona State, but they haven't really, we haven't really seen them be tested, I guess. So we don't really know a whole lot. Of, I mean, we know they've got the most experienced Big 12 quarterback returning in Spencer Sanders, but beyond that, we don't know a whole lot. And that's pretty much your top teams that people expected coming into this year. And then you have Texas, who has the question mark with Quinn Ewers and if he whatever his status is. Is KU on par with any of those teams or in a position to potentially be 
overtake some of those teams? Yeah. I, so I'm still not quite to that level yet, but I'm getting there. And, and I am oh, getting yes, to a point yes. where if they continue to look like this and look unstoppable on offense, we are going to have to start approaching it. It's just weird based on where we've come from with KU. All right, we're going to talk with Stephen Wiseman to get the Duke view of things for the KU-Duke game on Saturday, which you can hear here on KLWN. We're going to be out of Big Mill before the game. You can stop by, get some KU football tickets, and you can uh, also get some T-shirts or other cool stuff. So come on by over to Big Mill on Saturday. But Stephen Wiseman joins us next. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson on KLWN. We had Stephen Wiseman on last year to help us preview the KU-Duke game. We bring him back on once again this year with Duke now traveling into Lawrence. You can catch all of Stephen's work in the News Observer and the Herald Sun. Uh, so, Stephen, new coach for the Blue Devils with Mike Elko, the former D.C. at Texas A&M. Uh, what's been the biggest thing that, that he has tried to establish and that he has done early on in his tenure uh, over at Duke? Yeah, Derek, thanks for having me on again. Enjoy it. Um, you know, the main thing was he saw kind of a, a lack of effort uh, over the last, I guess, you know, part of last season. I mean, Duke went 3-9. and nine. They got blown out a lot in ACC play. Um, the year before that, they went 2-9. and nine. They turned the ball over a lot. They didn't tackle very well. So, number one was kind of, you know, building the effort. And, and you know, that starts in practice. Like, every every drill you do, you, you do it till the very end. You don't slack off at all. I mean, they tried to establish that, you know, in the weight room, in the off season and spring practice. And so, um, you know, to him, like, the example of that were already paid off was, the end of Duke's win against Northwestern when it looked like they, Northwestern was about to score a touchdown to be a two-point conversion away from sending the game to overtime. And, and Duke's uh, two defenders tackled Evan Hall at the one-yard line. He fumbled. Duke recovered it and won the game. So had they kind of given up on the play like he was about to score, you know, um, that would have been a different outcome. And so um, that that's the main thing he tried to change as, as this culture change here. So how is it being gauged locally with the team being 3-0 and and maybe not playing the toughest schedule to start things out and trying to figure out what the team is? Like, what is kind of the local conversation about how good this Duke team could possibly be? Yeah, I mean, there's some healthy skepticism, as there should be, because, you know, Temple, Northwestern, and North Carolina A&T, you know, are combined 2-7. and seven. So, um uh, that's not real good. And <laughs> we saw Northwestern, you know, beat Nebraska and lost to Duke and lost to Southern Illinois. So, yeah, I mean, they, they haven't played the toughest schedule by any stretch of the imagination. Like, you know, Kansas has already played on the road at two, um, you know, two established programs, right? West Virginia and Houston. So, uh, those are more impressive wins. And, uh, you know, this program was so down in the last couple of years that, uh, you know, uh, last year Duke started off three and one. They beat Northwestern. They beat Kansas. They didn't win again. So people are waiting. Okay, when they get into ACC play, you know, or or this Saturday against you know, a, a quality Kansas team, uh, uh, they're going to come back to earth. Now others are are more like, hey, you know, we've been waiting for you know some new energy in this program. There is the the attendance has been a little bit better the first couple of home games than anything we saw last year. Uh, so there there is some more you know buzz in the community about it. But but still, like nobody's expecting them like oh now they're going to compete for the ACC I mean nobody's nobody thinks that's going to happen so offensively for Duke things have been pretty balanced so far from them dual threat quarterback what is it that the offense is trying to do and what have been some of the strengths on that side of the ball so far for the Blue Devils I mean the main thing is 
not to turn the ball over because they had 39 turnovers in 2020. They had 21 turnovers last year, which was, you know, they cut it in half, but there was still way too many. I mean, that's almost two a game. And it really cost them, you know, in a terrible way. And so this year they, they've only, they've thrown two interceptions um, and they haven't lost a fumble in three games. So they're off to a much better start in that department. And they're not, even, uh, you know, sometimes you can get lucky and, and have a ball not be a turnover when it should be. I haven't seen a lot of that. There haven't been a lot of what pro football focus calls turnover-worthy plays by Riley Leonard. He's only had one in three games. Um, one of his interceptions bounced off a receiver's hands in the end zone. That's that's not on him. The other one was so uh, on Riley. But anyway, so they and, and that Duke has not lost a fumble. And uh, that's another thing that, like, you talk about attention to detail, that the new coaching staff has really come in and, and said, like, you know, if you're running a play in practice and you, you might gain 10 yards on a run, but you weren't holding the ball exactly where they want it to, like up against your 10 tight, uh, they're going to stop the practice and start it again because they're going to point that out. So, Little things like that, to this point, have made a big difference on offense. And what on the flip side of that is is maybe your still biggest question right now for the offense moving forward? Yeah, I want to see them, you know, run the ball against, you know, a real high-quality defense. And Northwestern had size. They're they're a big physical team. Uh, They're not as athletic as other teams in the Big Ten or the ACC or the the Big 12. So um, that is yet to be seen. I think we'll see this Saturday. We'll give you some answers about that. Then as as Duke goes forward into ACC play on that, that, they they need to be able to, to establish the run and keep it going. And then so far they've also kept Riley Leonard pretty clean in the pocket. He hasn't been pressured very much. And, uh, you know, that's something, again, they were the bigger, stronger team against Temple and against North Carolina A&T. Uh, so you expect that to happen, but that's not going to be the case this Saturday and going forward. So those are the two things. Really, it's offensive line play, number one, because they've been really strong so far. But, again, they haven't been challenged as much as I think they're going to be in the future. Defensive side of the ball, they lost a lot coming into the year in the back end with the secondary front seven, though, has uh, a lot of guys coming back. And so far, opponents have only ran for 2.2 yards per carry so far. Uh, what was kind of the style of North Carolina A&T last week? Because they racked up over 200 yards on the ground against a Duke defense that hasn't really so far given up a ton on the ground. So what, what kind of haunted them there, and, and how do you think they'll do against this KU offense that – has been just scoring at will so far, including playing a little bit of kind of this spread triple option. Yeah, that's going to be tough for, for Duke to, to handle that, uh, what you're talking about, the, the spread triple option and the way uh, Jalen Daniels handled that and everything this season for Kansas. But I will say the majority of the, the yards Duke gave up against North Carolina A&T were in the fourth quarter of a game that was long a blowout, and there was a lot of second and third stringers on the field. So, um, I, you know, uh, having to watch that with my own eyes, I know Duke was pretty impressive against them in the first half, and uh, when they got that, you know, got up to like a forty-two to six lead, it was they were you know, had it under control. So, um, some of it was garbage time, but but uh, again. Duke hasn't faced an offense like they're going to face this Saturday. So the jury is still out on on if they can control the run like they have uh, so far this season. And also, you know, on the back end with the, with the new guys, that uh, they have some guys that have tackled very well back there. They've helped out in run support, but they've been 
uh, a little grabby in coverage. They've had some penalties that way, pass interference, and they've kind of uh, gotten in a situation where they've kind of panicked, maybe, and uh, and they started grabbing people instead of just you know making the play. And uh, they can't do that, and that, that'll cost them games going forward if they keep doing that. So that's an area they need to watch out and get better at. Yeah. So on that defensive side of the ball, um, would that be the biggest worry for this game against Kansas? Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Uh, they're going to be in a hostile environment. Uh, from what I hear, you guys uh, got a sellout crowd or something close to yep. that, uh, which is fantastic. Um, always always fun to come, to come into those kind of atmospheres instead of, you know, 15,000 people, right? <laughs> so um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, and I know that, you know, the players are, are hyped up about playing in that environment, but there's going to be pressure on them, too. This is something that, again, they haven't faced because when they went to Northwestern two weeks ago, Northwestern students weren't on campus yet, so there was barely 20,000 people there uh, on a beautiful day in Chicago. So um, this will be a different different uh, level of pressure for Duke. And every time we've, we've heard the coaches kind of talk about this Duke team this week, it you kind of hear some buzzwords of like well coached, disciplined, you know, fundamentally sound, like things that uh, you, you've kind of heard about some of the Duke teams in the past when they've been really good. Is that something you feel accurately reflects the team, or is that something that is still kind of I don't know remains to be seen and, and maybe is just kind of coach speak to to not say something negative. Yeah, I mean, up to this point, they are a more buttoned-down team than than they have been the last few years when when this thing kind of got away from them. And when, and the coaches are there; they're all right. When Duke was, well, you know, in the ACC championship game back in 2013, and you know, going to bowl games in six out of seven years during the last decade, that's the way they played. They they didn't turn the ball over as much. They they were low on penalties, all those kind of things that you know a team that isn't recruiting five star athletes has to do. They have to do those little things right, and it kind of had gotten away from them lately. And so, um, you know, the penalties aren't this year. Uh, uh, it's not like they're low. I mean, they've had some, you know, uh, pre-snap penalties on offense a little bit. Uh, the first couple games they did. Um, and again, I mentioned the defense having the problems uh, with, you know, roughing the passer and uh, uh, pass interference. So, um, but they're not as buttoned down as they want to be. But I know that this staff has made a lot of progress, you know, in that area. But again, they've, they've got to do it going forward against better teams. How do you envision this game kind of playing out in terms of whether it's individual matchups or just the teams going up against each other from what you kind of know about Kansas, what you kind of know about Duke in terms of, I guess, uh, what could be most challenging for the Blue Devils, what they might have advantages in? I guess, how do you kind of see this playing out? Yeah, Duke's defense, again, controlling the run and, you know, not missing assignments against that, that triple option that, uh, uh, that defense is hard. It's hard. That offense is hard to defend. And uh, the coaches talk about eye discipline, right? You can't with the misdirection and stuff like that. You can really get caught, get caught in something and give a big play. And I think they're, you know, it's foolish not to think they're going to give up big plays this week. They're going to give up some chunk plays. Uh, it, it's this is going to be a game that that Riley Leonard and the offense that they're going to have to. They have to move the ball and score, and um, you know I think it's kind of going to be a shootout. I see it, you know, both teams in the 30s probably. I think the over under is now 64, 66 points, something like that. That sounds about right. That uh, that they should they should be in that in that neighborhood. With Leonard, has he? I know the numbers look good passing and running the ball for him, but does he have an affinity to to one of the two over the other? 
Um, he's he's been really accurate throwing the ball. I mean, his timing that's something you know, he played a little bit last year. He started one game and he was kind of the backup and uh he just looked you know, didn't look comfortable, and you know, a whole new offensive system now, and different style of coaching, and and he just looks to be more in rhythm. I mean, uh, he puts the ball where it needs to be. His receivers are are catching them now. There's not as many drops, which is uh, always a big help for the quarterback. So, um, and he's been, uh, you know, they've they've taken shots downfield a lot more than maybe they had the last couple of years under under Cutcliffe. So, uh, that's a good sign for him, and uh, that's a good sign for Duke. You mentioned Jalen Daniels earlier. Is that the player that sticks out the most from the Kansas side of things that you think Duke has on highest alert that they'd be most worried about going off? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, in the running game or in the passing game, I mean, he's he's shown that uh, that he can get it done in you know both ways. And uh, you know, uh, you know, some of these Duke players remember last year when they beat Kansas at, here. It was fifty-two to thirty-three. Um, and but they they know this is a different team, obviously, uh, with what they've accomplished. So um, that's one thing that Elko's been really good about, uh, kind of flushing what happened last year uh, from a bad point of view. And so maybe from a good point of view, they need to do that again because they they played well against Kansas. They can't go in there and think, oh, we're going to be able to shut down Jalen Daniels and Kansas, no problem. Like last year, that's not going to happen. Well, we know KU plays Duke in basketball too in the Champions Classic. Who do you think? Or which game do you think Duke has a better chance of winning? The football game this weekend or the basketball game? I'm going to go with the basketball game. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've seen I've seen some of the players Duke has in on the freshman class this year. So uh, yeah, that's 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 a pretty easy call. Talking about Duke athletics, you always go with basketball or for football. But but this is a better this is a better football team right now than at any time last year. So it should be a fun game on Saturday. Well, he is Stephen Wiseman. You can check out his work in the News Observer and the Herald Sun. Stephen, I appreciate you taking some time out of your day and chatting with us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Absolutely. That's Stephen Wiseman from the News Observer and the Herald Sun joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. We've got some Andy Kotelnicki audio for you next. Depend on it. Four o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going to have our KU Club interviews brought to you by Johnny's Tavern with the hockey team joining us in about 20 minutes from right now. We've got some Brian Borland audio to get to you and an interview with Mark Francis, plus Florida Man Mad Libs coming up in the five o'clock hour. Looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering? Venue 1235 has you covered, located right off I-70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence. Haven't had a chance to get to our KU defensive kind of notebook from over the weekend for the KU Houston game. So we'll do that right now. Obviously, it was a game that KU once again struggled early and then picked it up as the game went on. They give up 14 points on the first two drives. From there, they give up just 16, including that interception by Kenny Logan that they had. But this is back-to-back weeks where they've struggled in the early going. So it's something where... It's it's good that they're finding ways to settle into games. Yeah. Because it makes you think if they do have a hot start, that maybe they could just play like that the entire game. But that's got to change. You can't keep overcoming 14-0, 21-7 holes. That, that's not uh, a recipe for success in, in the long term. Yeah, Brian Borland mentioned that in his uh, press conference. We'll get, to, we'll get to that audio later on in the show. But, yeah, he pretty much said that outright, what you just said, which is, 
you know, this is not <laughs> this is not a game plan for success. This is not something that's gonna we're gonna be able to replicate successfully over the course of the season. So obviously the defense does have to step up early in games and, and perform better. And for the second straight week, the discussion around the defense was we didn't really change anything. We just executed better, right? Which I think on one hand maybe gives you hope that if you come out and execute well to start, like you said, maybe you can just have that for the whole game. But furthermore, something we talked about before the Houston game was they need to be opti- the defense needs to be optimistic. They need to be able to take advantage of, of mistakes by the offense. And to their credit, they did that, actually. They got the interception early in the game off Clayton Toon that really kind of helped get them going, right? So they were opportunistic from that standpoint and, and did capitalize on on a mistake. But, but yeah, you're absolutely right. If, if the issue is execution, then you just got to find a way to execute to start the game instead of waiting until midway through the second quarter or later to start executing, right? Mm-hmm. I think that I am optimistic that it will kind of come around at some point because I just, like, statistically, it's obviously much better the points allowed per game from last year to this year. But if you just take out the FCS game against Tennessee Tech, then you're looking at this defense right now is giving up 36 points per game. I think the talent on this defense is better than giving up 36 points per game. I mean, they, they have... Much better depth than last year. They have guys who transferred in who were legit at other successful schools. And in some of their cases, they're backups, which indicates that some of your guys are better than them in certain ways. So, like, I don't think this is a defense that's ever going to be like, oh, they're they're just shut down. No. But to me, this is a defense that should be closer to giving up 30 points per game than they are giving up 36 through their their Power 5 games. So I, I do think they're better than that. But still, the most important thing they can do moving forward beyond the, the better starts, it's just being opportunistic, right? Because if they can be a defense at the very least that's getting turnovers, that is holding teams in the red zone, bending but not breaking on certain drives, if the offense is as good as it has looked so far, like that's probably enough for this team to make a bowl game. Yeah, I do think it's interesting. We've heard it now two two weeks in a row after West Virginia and after Houston of Brian Borland saying, "Hey, you know, we just needed to execute better once we started executing and and playing the way we we're going to play. Like it started going better, right?" Mm-hmm. Which I think to me, I read that as clearly this is a, a defense, and and it starts with Borland and goes through the players. Clearly, these are guys that are very committed and dedicated to their scheme. They understand their scheme. They know they know what they're trying to do schematically. That's what that tells me, right? Is that for two consecutive weeks, we've heard Brian Borland and some and even some of the defensive players, Rich Miller said the same thing uh, when we got to talk to him last week, is, you know, hey, in the first half or in early in the game against West Virginia, we just weren't executing. And then we, we knew what West Virginia was trying to do. We knew we could stop them. We just weren't doing it. And then we started to play better throughout the second half. And then kind of the same thing from what we've heard today, kind of the same deal with the Houston game was, oh, we just we needed to execute better. We didn't do it, execute well early on, and then we got better, right? But I think that still gives you a lot of confidence in the sense of, okay, this is a, this is a team, a defense that knows their scheme. They know what they're trying to do schematically, and it just comes down to executing, right? They didn't, they didn't, it wasn't a situation where they were just getting blown out of the water early in the game and they had to go scrap the defense and quickly, you know, change schemes or whatever. No, these are guys that know, they know their, I'm trying to think of the right, right word. They know their role. Mm-hmm. They know their the play, identity. Their, they know yeah, their identity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Identity yeah, was the man. word I was looking mm-hmm. for. The defense, this is a defense that clearly knows their identity based off of the public comments we've heard. It's just a matter of, like, like I said, and like Brian Bullen has said, coming out and executing that way early in a game the way they know they can do, right? And if and if they know they can do it later in games, 
it's almost like a mental block at that point, right? You just know that if you can do it later on, you just got to get over that and be able to do it, put it together for a whole game. Yeah, because if you count the second through fourth quarters for the Houston game, if you count the third and fourth quarter plus overtime for the West Virginia game, that's basically, I know the overtime is not a full quarter of play, but also you're giving them a very advantageous opportunity to at least score points. So let's say that's basically meaning of those quarters, you gave up 30 combined points between Houston and West Virginia in six quarters of play. That's five points a quarter. That means over the course of, if you're just basing it on the adjustments KU was able to make. You're about to do some math? I'm just going to total it up for you. Okay. They would just be giving up 20 points per game. Boom. That's that's wow. pretty darn good. So that's, again, that's I'm not, really good. You don't expect Kansas to do that for the Twenty points a game, game, I think, would be like top twenty-five. Oh yeah, that'd be a great number. That'd be yeah. yeah, you're right. That'd be one of the better numbers in the country. Yeah. The point is that clearly there's more talent there than the starts would indicate. We'll see if they can kind of get over that this week against Duke. How about the the defensive line in that Houston game? Lonnie Phelps didn't have any sacks in the game, and yet Kansas still got four. Um. I think Lonnie Phelps still led the team in hurries in the game, so like he's probably still a big reason why Kansas recorded multiple sacks because maybe if the quarterback has to slide away or step up in the pocket because you get the early uh, pass rush, somebody else comes through with the sack and, and you're kind of contributing there. That's a good sign for the D-line, though, that we saw really dominate Tennessee Tech, then not really be able to dominate against West Virginia. There was other stuff there, too, quick passes, maybe some holding calls that didn't get called against West Virginia. Against Houston, though, you were back to the defensive line playing well, getting a pass rush, and and kind of same thing. It wasn't all the defensive line. There were some blitzes maybe tossed in there. There were maybe some plays where Clayton Toon didn't get rid of it fast enough or maybe stepped into a sack. That's a good sign, though, that they were able to get production there, especially after the West Virginia game. Yeah, and Lonnie Phelps also made a, a really big hustle play early in the game when he ran down somebody that was like, the ball was on the far side of the field, they threw it to the near side, and he ran him down from behind. So, yeah, Lonnie Phelps, he's he's still the catalyst, I think, for certainly the D-line or the front seven. But I also think that, and Brian Borland alluded this to this a little bit, I also think the secondary had by far their best game against Houston because there was a lot of times where Clayton Toon was holding the ball and he ended up scrambling for some yards on some plays, but it wasn't necessarily because of pressure. It was because he was holding the ball and had to get out of there before because of the, the secondary was, was locking down the receivers. So I think that was one of my big positive takeaways for the defense in the Houston game was they, they, they were playing really well in the secondary, looked really good in the secondary, which is, which is a positive sign because you're in the Big 12, you're going to see some teams that are going to throw the ball around, right? So – I thought that was a positive, and, and yeah, again, like I said, Clayton Toon, his rushing numbers might look a little inflated, but I overall, I think it was more of the secondary playing well, and Toon, whenever he did scramble, it was not, I didn't, I got the sense that it wasn't necessarily because of pressure from the D-line as much as it was because of, he just was running out of time because of the secondary playing well, so that was a big takeaway for me, and the run defense kind of struggled a little bit against Houston, but not as bad as we've seen like last season, but I think I said this earlier in the week that Duke averages over 200 rushing yards per game. This is by far going to be the biggest test of the new and improved KU run defense this weekend against Duke because, again, Houston, number one, they got down. But number two, they're de- under Dana Hungerson, definitely still more of a pass-first offense, I would say. Duke has two pretty big running backs that are both averaging over 70 yards rushing per game. 
And I think they're going to be probably by far the most committed team to running the ball that KU's going to have played so far this season. So, again, a big test for the run defense coming up. And it's not like they were horrible against Houston, but they they did slip back a little bit from what we'd seen them do against Tennessee Tech and West Virginia. Yeah. I think that that was a better game overall, though. Would you agree with that than the West Virginia game? Defensively, overall? Yes. Yes. Even though you gave up more on the ground? Yeah, because the, the start of the game... Against Houston was not as bad as the start against mm-hmm. West Virginia, right? Right. And then, furthermore, in the second half, they did a better job as well. Also, so yes, collectively, it was definitely a much better performance against Houston than, than West Virginia. And you know, we might learn that West Virginia's offense might be much better than Houston's. That could be a possibility, right? Yeah. Uh, so I kind of think it was based on watching both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Which. I, I guess gets added in, but I, I do think Houston had a good defense. And what Brian Borland was saying today, we'll play that audio in a little bit for you about Craig Young. He was targeted four times in the game, um, and they had 49 passing yards on him. But then when you consider that he was lined up in the slot a lot and they line up Nathaniel Dell, their stud receiver in the slot a lot, that's quite the performance to have a linebacker kind of limiting their best weapon to you know, whatever amount of receiving yards uh, they had on them. Yeah, you've got Lonnie Phelps up front, and it's clear that Craig Young is, like, now the guy yes. in, the, in the back half. Like, obviously you have Kenny Logan as well, but Craig Young is, like, definitely the guy. Mm-hmm. Do you think, because there's, oh, we know, there's going to be a game where the, the KU offense is not going to score 50 points or it's not going to score 40 points. Who knows? Maybe it's this week Could where be. KU might score 27, 28 points. Who knows? Maybe even they play really good defense and they're held to 24-21. Do you see enough from the defense that, yeah, maybe over the course of the entire season, they're not going to prevent opponents from scoring 20 points per game or 25 points per game. But do you think in a one-game sample you've seen enough to think that, okay, in that moment, they really need the defense to step up. They can hold an opposing offense to whatever amount of points they need when the offense isn't having as big of a, a robust scoring effort. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm still kind of out. The jury is still out for me. Uh, the, the defense, they did make a stop in the red zone against Houston as well, held them to a field goal, mm-hmm. which was big. They got the turnover, obviously, in the first half that we mentioned. But, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think we might need to see a little bit more from the defense, a little bit more consistency, certainly. I think that's definitely the one thing that they're lacking is, is consistency in, in execution, right? If they if they can put, to, put it together for a whole game, then, yeah, I think I'll have more confidence in, in them. And and it, but again, I think we've had we've, we've had this discussion a lot with the offense of like you know it's third down and medium, third down and long. Like, what are you going to do if you're the offense? What's the call? Who's going to be your go-to guy? You can have the same discussion with the defense. If it's third down and nine for the defense, you need first of all you need Lonnie Phelps to mm-hmm. come through with a pass rush, and then in the secondary, who's your go-to guy? Is it Kenny Logan? Is it Craig Young? Is it Melo Dotson? Is it Kobe Bryant for a big play? So that that. That remains to be seen, I think, to a certain extent of what the defense will do in that situation. But, but I think we're going to get. I think these next three games, we're going to get some interesting takeaways from that. And on top of that, three games at home, three games that you assume are is going to have a pretty strong Kansas crowd for. I mean, we're already talking about what what's looking like is on its way to becoming a sellout versus Duke. If you play, if you play close in the Duke game, or if you win the Duke game. Probably means you're going to have a sellout against Iowa State and so on and so forth for TCU. So the defense is going to have that added boost as well. 
So it's 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 going to be very interesting to, to see how this team evolves. And again, I, I think, really, I started thinking about it. The most fascinating thing for the defense is it's clear that they know what their identity is. It's clear that they know what they want to do schematically. It just comes down to execution. And if they can put that together for a whole game, for multiple games in a row, then there's no reason why they, they can't be a defense that holds teams to 25 points a game. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going to take a timeout when we come back. Our KU Club interviews brought to you by Johnny's Tavern. Continue on with the KU Hockey Club. That on the other side. We continue on with our KU Club interviews brought to you by Johnny's Tavern. We've got the KU Hockey team joining us here. We've got Ella Zeff, who is the president of the club. We've got Annika Schoenborn, who is the vice president of the club. So, Annika, I'll start with you because we didn't have you in when we got to talk to, to Ella uh, last year. But uh, now the VP. So what was your involvement in the club last year? Were you involved at all? Or, or what led do you have in this position Yeah, now? so last year I was kind of just – I was labeled academic chair – um, which pretty much just helped the players and other staff members stay on top of their academics. Um, luckily, we didn't really need that because a bunch of our players were successful off the ice. Um, so, and then it was just kind of just learning about what to do in this position, which is just um, off ice operations and making sure the staff is just successful off the ice. And I know you have a Minnesota Wild hockey <laughs> yes. sweatshirt on. So are you from Minnesota? Yes, I'm from Minnesota. And my like love of hockey started with my high school team. I didn't play, but I was a manager, and we went to state in one state three years in a row. So, so just... what's what, what's this been like for you then, this whole experience? I would imagine this has been pretty fun being mm-hmm, part of this. For sure, yeah, especially being in a, a leadership position like this. It really opens my eyes for new opportunities and – um, the team's just really fun. The staff is fun. We get to I get to work with Ella. Um, so yeah, it's a great experience. Well, and Ella now coming back and, and bumping up from from her previous position, right? Moving up to president. What's that been like so far this year? It's been awesome. Um, I really enjoy kind of working with Annika and having that leadership role because I mentioned it last time, but we <laughs> it's kind of full circle again mm-hmm. because. We both started with KU Hockey as freshmen. I think it was like the second week of school. And we sat in this conference room together and hopped on the Zoom. And I was so intimidated. I don't know about you. Um, but You just dragged was, me on there. I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Yeah, we like didn't then. even know each other. And we sat in this room together. And here we are two years later mm-hmm. or three years later, whatever it is, um, as president and vice president. And so I think from that start, there maybe was eight of us total on the call three new people, including ourselves. Um, And now we have a staff of 20 people. Players, I believe there's 27 players. So it's just been really cool in this role to see the growth in the club um, and kind of have that big role in it. And so what are some of the biggest duties that that for both you guys that you're having to kind of uh, take task on? I mean, there's the basics of just making sure we're registered. Every player is... um, registered with the school, with the ACHA, and same with staff. But then the bigger tasks, such as planning, Hockey Fights Cancer, the Border Showdown, each individual weekend itself um, are events on a smaller scale. Um, So I think some of those just like duties. And then Mm -hmm. on top of that, it's just um, like marketing our club and then making sure, since we brought in so many new staff members, um, just making sure that they're growing in their experiences and giving them stuff to do at the games so that they can learn from that too. 
Yeah, we both agree that it's the experience is what we want everyone to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, with bringing on so many staff members is making sure that they're enjoying the experience um, and kind of just being around the sport of hockey. So we all came together for so. And so you guys have already gotten started for the season. Um, as far as like tryouts and everything, is that something where, because I know now you guys have gotten big enough where you'll have high school kids reaching out to you about, hey, I want to join the team and whatnot. Um, so is that something where you guys kind of have an idea of what your roster is already going to be at the beginning of the year? Are there tryouts? Uh, how does that kind of work? Um, yeah, so there are tryouts, and they start pretty much right when school starts around. Um, and... Basically, it's just, I don't know, anyone who wants to try out, they have, we have um, players from all different backgrounds, people who've um, played for juniors, and then we have some players that just played in high school and want to continue playing in college. Um, Yeah, they just try out, and then coaches, um, it's all up to to the coaches then. Um, And so is that something, if if, let's say somebody transferred into KU at semester or something Mm -hmm. like that, would they be able to kind of get like a tryout with the team? Mm -hmm. It's not just like a freshman year um, and then you can stick stick with it. It's anyone can come on um, and that goes for the staff as well. Um, If anyone just reaches out interested in being a staff, interested in playing, we can just go from there and yeah. And what's the best way to reach out to you guys? If you'd be interested in, you know, joining a staff mm-hmm. or a player or whatnot. Social media or via email. Mm-hmm. Um, we check our emails constantly. The staff email goes to us. The Jayhawk hockey goes to our coaches. Um, but social media is also something we've brought on a big team for and are monitoring and um, kind of building a presence on. Mm-hmm. So what is like the the weekly, I guess, the grind, the, the weekly schedule for, for you guys and the team and everything, like how often are practices, how often are games, and, and that sort of stuff? The team practices once or twice a week at an independence, um, and then there's two games a weekend, usually Friday, Saturday, it just kind of depends. Um, and then for the staff, we have our weekly staff meetings and then our presence at the game. We bring all of our staff to home games, and then we have a travel staff, kind of depending on what the needs are that weekend. Then for us on the exec, it's a everyday grind. Um, yeah. There really are no off periods, but we're working on our social media schedule. We are making sure that we're registered with the rec. Just kind of those basic things um, in order for us to run as a whole program with everyone combined. And you guys were, were mentioning as we were talking before we hopped on the air here about uh, some of the games you guys have upcoming. So uh, what are ways that people can go out to, to some of the games? What are some of those upcoming events for everybody to, to come out and support the team? Um, so we're, we're really looking forward to, well, first of all, we have our, we have three home series left. Um, so it's just an hour on independence. We'd love to get a bunch of students out there, um, fans. And then we have our two events that we always look forward to every year, which is um, in November, we celebrate Hockey Fights Cancer Month along with which the NHL does. Um, so we do a whole um, month-long like marketing, and we do fundraisers and all this fun stuff. Um, and that game is just really important to a lot of fans, and we take time to recognize um, staff members and players who have been affected by cancer, whether that be um, a family member or they're just looking to um, just remember those people. Um, so then... That's all of November. The game is 
When is that game? The first weekend in December yeah. um, versus University of Nebraska-Omaha. Mm-hmm. So the month of November is just leading up to that. And then we have our border showdown against Mizzou, which... It's always a big one. <laughs> it's yeah. always a big one, yeah. we That one's pretty fun, too. I mean, both teams just get, like, really wild up and... It's intense. It's, it's fun, <laughs> but it is it's for sure... You guys have ended up on the the right side of that, uh, I think, a lot here recently in terms of coming out on top with the win, right? Yeah. Um, So Mm -hmm. is there anything, I I guess, new or different that you guys are doing this year or anything that that you noticed has been, you know, a lot different from maybe when you first started with the club to to where it is now? I think the biggest thing is building our club as a brand um, with, the improvements in NIL, though we're not a D1 program, we were still able to collaborate with the men's basketball team just right after their championship Mm -hmm. um, and create the first ever NIL deal between a club sport and a D1 program. So we got the whole team in jerseys, and that was really cool as a school to really see um, that collaboration and grow on some things that are becoming more popular in college sports. But then more as a club, some of the things we're focusing on are fundraising and building that presence on campus. So going out, tabling on campus, um, having fundraiser weeks, the Hockey Fights Cancer is another you know, fundraiser, but merchandise and just having that presence. And as far as that merchandise and those jersey sales, obviously there are certain times of year when you guys have that open for people. Is that open right now, or, or when do you think that'll be open next, or do you not know? They're coming soon. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. I feel like this is probably a question a lot yeah. of people ask, right? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, I got to get my KU hockey jersey. Um, mm-hmm. So how, how can people, obviously, you know, getting merchandise, getting jerseys, going to games, like that's all great ways to support the program. Is there anything else that, that you have of, of ways that people can help you with fundraising or going to different events that they have coming up on the ledger? Um, well, I would just say um, it's important to us when people donate throughout, like, the special events we have. As mm-hmm. I mentioned, Hockey Fights Cancer. Um, last year we, um, what did we, do? we did a website thing with the American Cancer Foundation. Um, so that was a good way to just market, and then we raised a bunch of money through that. Um, the coolest thing yeah. with that was we started our goal at $1,000 because it was the first ever fundraiser we had done, um, and we were able to up that goal three times, and we raised over $3,000. So just seeing the support from our fans was truly amazing, and so having that same support carry on to this year with that same fundraiser, but as a program, having fans come out. We had a lot of students at our first home series, um, and a way we're marketing that is through theme nights. And so we really mm-hmm. want to see students come out because hockey isn't a huge sport in this region. Um, and so to grow that on campus would be amazing to have that backing. Um, we have our parents come travel to away games, and that's awesome to see is that people want to follow us, want to be there and support the program. And so you're both juniors, so mm-hmm. I, I would assume another year in the program for this after this year. Um, what's, what's the hopes, what's the vision for, for what you want it to look like by the time you're, you're wrapped up with KU? Um, I would just say, like, we want to make our mark. I feel like when we um, were just little bitty freshmen, <laughs> and that was during COVID, so there wasn't much going on. Um, and now it's obviously huge staff. He, like, the players are um, they're intense. But I would just say we want to keep it growing, um, keep marketing it, because 
I would just love to, I don't know, it'd be interesting to come back in a couple years and hockey's still great and the Mm -hmm. staff is still great Um, because I think we put a lot of work into creating a a big staff and making sure that we're getting other students their experiences that they want. So just to see that like still going would be, I think would be cool. Yeah, I remember as a freshman looking up to those people in the exec roles, and now I hope the same um, for the staff of us, that they can look up to us and kind of want to achieve these same um, duties that we are and keep building on the foundations that the presidents before us have have built and hopefully we're building. Um, And so kind of having that, and same with the players, is still building this program on ice um, bringing in that same intensity from that border showdown win, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but using that as momentum going forward on both ends of the program. Awesome. Well, Ella, Annika, I, I really appreciate you guys coming in once again, and uh, good luck on the season. We look forward to you know kind of tracking you guys, and, and hopefully we can help you out with some extra promotion as, as the season's going along. Thank cool, you yeah, very much. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Rock Chuck. <laughs> That is our KU Club interview with the KU hockey team. Again, you can find all sorts of ways to support them, and you're going to want to get one of those really cool hockey jerseys. I know I have one. It uh, The best thing about hockey jerseys, they keep you warm. They're cool that you can just wear them in like normal situations. Perfect for fall, too, especially with the football season here. Uh, so you can give them uh, some support. Go give them a follow online and uh, check out all their stuff there as well, along with the course of the season. Our KU Club interviews are brought to you by Johnny's Tavern. With two locations in Lawrence, you can come on out, especially to Johnny's Tavern North, the original Johnny's. Feel like you're part of the neighborhood, get some great food. I saw they had a jalapeno popper grilled cheese, which sounds like the greatest thing ever invented, but they have other great food, great beer as well. You can say hi to Rick Renfro as well. as the rest of the Johnny's crew over Johnny's North in Lawrence. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Joined now by a special guest, Mark Francis, the KU head coach for the KU women's soccer team, has had all sorts of success over the course of his career, and so far, great start for this year's team as well. Coach, you go nine or, or seven and three through uh, non-con play. Played a lot of Big Ten teams at the beginning. Yeah, very challenging schedule through the non-con. What do you think of your team's first ten games in terms of what you were pleased with and and what you're still looking to maybe improve on and try to raise the bar a little bit more? Yeah, yeah. So I think um, well, first thing is is we've had a ton of injuries. So uh, we have four four kids, unfortunately, out for the season that uh, would be on the field. And so uh, three of those, uh, actually two of those since the season started, one in preseason and one prior to the season. So um, so with that, we've had, you know, opportunities for some, some other players that, you know, basically to step into play probably more than they would have done. Um, and to be honest with you, they really stepped up to the challenge. And I think that's why... Um, that's why we were seven and three right now, rather than, than, than not as good as that as a record is because especially freshmen, I think we're starting four freshmen right now. and We've got, uh, two others coming off the bench, giving us significant minutes. So, um, so the freshman class has really stepped up. Uh, so that's really been probably the thing I've been the happiest with is how the kids have met the challenge when, you know, we met some adversity that's hit us and, and how they dealt with that. Yeah, was that was that always in the plan when you brought in that freshman class for them to make that immediate impact, or has that been something that has been kind of a pleasant surprise and has been something that's kind of been forced upon you with whether it's been injuries or whatnot? 
Um, we thought that there was probably three or four of them that would make an immediate impact, which they did. Um, I think there's probably a couple that we, you know, that are playing a lot more than maybe they would have done. But, but again, they've stepped up to the challenge and uh, have accepted it and, and have done really, really well. So we knew it was a really good class. We knew some of them would make an, an immediate impact, which they have. Um, but I think some of the others we thought would take a little bit longer to develop them. But um, we've kind of thrown them into the fire, you know, and they've, they've handled it really well. Well, the win total already this season matched last season's mark, and obviously a good amount of matches left with Big 12 play starting up tomorrow night at home against Oklahoma State. Uh, did last season, did that kind of fuel strong offseason work from some of the returning players and maybe lead to a little extra motivation for this year's squad? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that was, a, that was an anomaly season for us and, you know, for many reasons. But, uh, you know, we had... Of the of the nineteen games, we had twelve one goal games last year, and, and we won uh, three of them. and lost nine of them. You know, in nineteen when we won the Big Twelve, we had thirteen one goal games. We won nine, lost four. So you know, we were in the games, but it was very very close. But I think that experience overall, with all the returning guys coming back, they were just like, we don't want to go through that again. And so the spring was was excellent. Like they they came in, I think, with renewed vigor, and we we changed a few things, tweaked a few things did some culture meetings, did some, some work with the team as far as off-the-field stuff and how we can maybe improve in those areas. And so, yeah, we came off of the spring feeling really good about uh, coming into the season. And, you know, like I said, some adversity hit us, which is always going to happen, just depends to what extent. And, you know, a lot of injuries. And, and again, I think the, the group dealt with that and they said, okay, this is the hand, the hand we're dealt. We're just going to you know, move forward and, uh, and have done really, really well so far. Big 12 play, as I mentioned, starts tomorrow night at home, Oklahoma State. You can go on out to the game at Rock Truck Park at 7. What are going to be the biggest challenges in Big 12 play for you guys to be successful? Is it coming through in those close victories once again when in an assumed good conference play once again? Yeah, I mean, the games are going to be close. They just I mean, if you look at our 10 games we've played already up to this day, I think there's a few games that weren't one-goal games, but the majority of them have been one-goal games. So I think probably 60% of them. So, yeah, it's, it's executing, you know, in those defining, those game-defining moments, whether it's a, a defensive play that you make that stops the opponent from scoring or it's capitalizing on an opportunity that we have in front of the goal, which means we win by a goal, you know. So, you know, and obviously that's why you train. You train for those moments and... um I think the group's in a good space. I think the, the mentality and the confidence is high based on the competition. As you mentioned, we played a really tough schedule. So we've been in those adverse situations and, and have dealt with it well. Um, uh, but I think the other thing I would say is just um, with the depth that we have is the because the, you can't play Thursday, Sunday in the Big 12 with 11 players. I mean, it's going to take 13 or 14 players. You know, you've got to make some subs and you've got to keep some kids fresh and things like that. So I think our bench is really going to be key. I think our starting group um, is going to compete with anybody in the conference. And I think as long as our bench comes in and performs the way they have up until this point, then, then I think we'll uh, we'll be in for a run. Let's pack the park tomorrow night. The first 500 fans are getting a Kansas soccer scarf, which that's awesome to begin with. How much does having a, a fun home environment, how much does that help you and give you a boost along the way in matches? Because I'm always curious, in, in certain sports, you wonder, well, what does the home field advantage provide? Does it just give you guys extra energy? What What is the boost that having a good home crowd can, can bring you? Oh, for sure, it's the energy. I mean, you... You know, you walk out of the tunnel for the for the walkout for the for the announcements and stuff, and there's you know, 
thousand people in the stands. I mean, that's going to get you going as a player, you know. And I think as a coach, it the atmosphere is obviously our atmosphere, and it helps us. Um, you know, we deal with that on the other hand when we travel to some other opponents in the Big Twelve. And so, winning winning on the road in the Big Twelve is tough. So, you know, your home games you really have to take advantage of. And I think having a great um, environment at Rockford Park definitely um, puts puts us in definitely a little bit of an advantage. There's no doubt. And so Oklahoma State being the opponent, what are the keys to your team performing well uh, against the, uh, I, I don't know, they, I, I believe Cowgirls on, on the women's side. Uh, what's going to be the key to performing well against Oklahoma State? Yeah, I mean, I think I mean, they're always a good team, always well organized. I think, you know, we, we have training today to kind of go over our game plan of how we want to attack them. But I think it's keeping their opportunities to a minimum. They've got a couple of very dangerous attacking players that we need to make sure that we shut down. And then I think it's capitalizing. We will get opportunities with, with the way they're set up. I know we're going to get opportunities the way we've been attacking. Um, so then it's making, you know, taking advantage of those opportunities when we get them. He's Mark Francis, head coach for the KU women's soccer team. Again, you can go on out to their match tomorrow night at Rock Chuck Park, 7 o'clock, first 500 fans getting a KU soccer scarf. Coach, appreciate the time and good luck. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me on. That was Mark Francis, head coach of the KU women's soccer team. We're going to be joined by several of the different Olympic sports coaches, assistant coaches, maybe some players, I don't know, over the coming weeks. Uh, that we're excited to do that on on Wednesdays for you here on RCST. So that was kind of the start of that. And again, I can't make it tomorrow. I've got high school sports weekly tomorrow night. I know Nick's going to be doing the high school football game for Free State tomorrow night. And we're jealous because we're not going to be able to get one of those cool KU soccer scarves. But you don't have those limitations that we do. So you should go on out and do it. All right, uh, we have Florida Man Mad Libs. That coming up next with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. On it. Thanks for joining us today on Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on KLWN. Looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering? Check out Venue 1235, a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio located about five minutes off of I-70 from downtown Lawrence. On tomorrow's show, we're going to be joined by Jim Root of Three Man Weave to help preview the college basketball season. Uh, Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, will hop on the show as well, and we'll get to some KU football player audio. But it is that time on a Wednesday. Sam Speck is joining us in studio here for Florida Man Mad Libs. Nick beat me again last week. I think I'm up in aggregate, but Nick is, if, if you're viewing it like in a, you know, a finals, a best of seven, Nick, I think, is up two to one. Last week was ugly. Yeah. You didn't do very well last week. No. Both of you struggled a little bit last week. You're correct. Nick okay. is up actually 3-2, to so we're on week six, believe it or not, gentlemen. So week six, Man. these things fly by. Uh, but you're correct. Derek, in terms of total points, does have a slim advantage. So 17-14 uh, to 14 points advantage, but Nick, you are up at the standings right now, 3-2. to two. And just a reminder, anybody that's new to the game, Sam's going to read us some headlines with some strategic blanks filled in. Mm. Derek and I are going to attempt mm-hmm. to guess what the blanks are that is right and uh luckily enough uh, it, it, this week i found nothing but florida man a lot of these again they don't necessarily have <laughs> to be florida man they're not always necessarily they're just crazy headlines a couple they're of just, weeks they're just crazy headlines. they are all real headlines though and this week i did find all of the florida man ones so here's my favorite of the week and just like last week it's about as florida man as possible this is what encapsulates the entire atmosphere of what florida man is florida man arrested for stealing alligator and throwing it around 
throwing it around by its tail, beating it to death, just to say, quote, I'm going to teach them all a lesson. Okay, here's so, my question. He's how teaching do, the alligators you, a lesson? Yeah, all you, of wait, the alligators. <laughs> how do you, all of them, not how do you just that guy. steal an alligator? Well, there's probably some reserve like or something. I don't know. Uh, no, could I mean, be that. Like, like if you just go you out, like if I go out in the wild and I just like <laughs> wrangle something, some animal, have I stolen it? No, I think I think in uh, Florida you just go to like Walmart and they're like, "Would you like a complimentary <laughs> alligator, sir?" <laughs> All right. Well, there's our favorite of the week, gentlemen. Let's get into it. Round number one, as Nick had mentioned again, I will read off a headline. And round number one, there's only one word redacted from the headline that we'll have to guess. In round one, it is only worth one point. So here we go. Florida man was caught after attempting to outrun police on a blank. Boy, aren't these ones always fun? So. Florida man was uh, caught after attempting to outrun police on a Segway, okay. a lawnmower, or a mule. And Ooh, uh, by the way, here's a hint for you. It was upwards of 20 miles an hour. By uh, But I think you could probably hit 20 miles an Dude, hour in all three of those. He must have been hauling on the mule. Can you then. on a motor or on a uh, lawnmower? Oh, you definitely could. You think so? Depending, I, mean, I, mean, I think could, so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Depending on the right one. Yeah, you, you get the John Deere 4500 <laughs> X. Super size. Well, like and if, you, if, you, it's a, if it's a modded one, then those things, those babies go up upwards of 70, 80 miles an hour if you get a, a lawnmower. A lawnmower? Yeah, oh, no you way. Can, you can mod haven't you ever heard of lawnmower racing? No way. Derek, haven't you ever heard of lawnmower racing? Okay, that's it's a good crazy. point. That's a good point. They go the crazy. No but nonetheless, uh, anybody exactly. want to start yeah, here? ESPN Florida man caught after attempting to outrun police on a Segway, lawnmower, or mule. Who's got their first guess for me? I'm going with lawnmower. I feel like this is a guy... He was just minding his own business. Well, I mean, he was obviously doing something. Maybe he had something, whatever, right? And the cops come to get him, and he's on his lawnmower mowing his lawn, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to mow my lawn, and then I'm going to mow my neighbor's lawn while I try to escape. Just go down the street mowing one yeah. strip Dude, of he's, grass. He's mowing he a public surface while so he's trying Nick to run away. lawnmower here. Derek, Florida man caught after attempting to outrun police on a Segway, lawnmower, or mule. So, by the way, I, I just <laughs> looked this up about lawnmower. You, you are right. They could be the one lawnmowers that they soup up, right? So okay. that could be different. So we don't know. Okay. Maybe that's it. But a zero-turn lawnmower, it says this cuts at five miles per hour, can reach speeds of more than 10 miles per hour. There, I don't think it's a lawnmower. I don't think it's a lawnmower. I don't think it's <laughs> I feel like that that's kind of cheating that you looked that up. Well, I was trying to prove a point. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't, to be all fair, out. though, I wasn't going to pick lawnmower to begin all, all with, out. so it didn't change my mind. Um, but yeah, I won't look anything else up. Okay, S- Sustained. Um, so I'm between mule or Segway. Segway seems the most logical. Yeah, can you get the 20 miles per hour on a mule? I don't know. Because they're known for being kind of, you know, slow walkers, yeah, exactly. right? That's kind of awkward. Saying. That's yeah. why I didn't pick It'd mule. Just more of like a, a pole. A Do pole mules even run? Um, <laughs> I See, but I don't want to go with Segway because I feel like that's too logical. So I'm going to go mule. Going with mule there. Interesting. We got lawnmower from Nick. Mule it is. So uh, actually, it was on a Cub Cadet zero-turn lawnmower. Florida Let's man caught after attempting to outrun police on a lawnmower. Uh, they were just trying to uh, fulfill a warrant for his arrest. Apparently, he had a couple of outstanding things. And yep. he was mowing his lawn at the time and just bounced just, from there. He, yep. uh, yeah, absolutely decided to go from there. Now, again, I read through it a little bit. I don't know if they actually had a gun on the gentleman, like a, you know, a like, speed gun by any means. Oh. But they were pursuing <laughs> of upwards of 20 miles an hour on the highway. So that's kind of where the article Wait, this guy is. got on the highway yeah, with that thing? Yeah, he made it that far. Yeah, he, he got what? that far. So, See, well, if you're trying okay. to get away from the cops... You're better and, off just on foot, right, at that it, point? Yeah, that, exactly. Like, go against traffic or something and, like, run through. I don't know. Just, Imagine you're in the, just uh, in the, you're the shoulder in the cop car going and 20. you're trying to perform a pit maneuver on a guy in a lawnmower. 
I mean, what do you do? It's laughable. I don't, I mean, I don't know. Just wait till he runs out of gas. All right, Nick with <laughs> one point in the first round. Second round it is, so we have two redacted words. Again, each word is worth one point. However, you have to get the entire article correct. Then you get three points in total. So we'll start with this one. Florida man crushed by blank while using blank. Unfortunately, uh, this gentleman, it was it was as bad as it was sounds. It, he was, was certainly crushed. Was but, it fatal? Uh, it, yes, it was. Oh, Not the greatest of story at the end of the day. However, there are many different avenues that this one could have gone down. Okay. Um, Florida man. Crushed by crushed love. By. Hugs love. Uh, I did put on their ex-girlfriend because that was actually something that I've seen. Maybe it was this okay. week. Maybe it was in the weeks prior. Maybe it was. So crushed by ex-girlfriend, a billboard, or bulldozer while using blank. So there's a lot of different avenues that we can go here. See, with the billboard one, I'm struggling to figure out what he was using. I mean, he could have just—he uh, could have just been using anything. Like, well, if, like if you're like, standing under a billboard, yeah. you could be using any. You could be walking your dog. You could be doing anything, and the billboard falls over and crushes you. Hmm. I just—I—I I don't love that one because of that. Because I'm struggling to think like. But still, like, what would he be doing out in the middle of nowhere, just standing in the grass? You what, know, you is it lawnmower again? Is this going to yeah, be like right, lawnmower we, themed? You can have billboards in the city. You can have billboards anywhere. You could, but they're mostly like on the you know in areas where there's patches of grass. I, I wonder if this is lawnmower themed. Was he mowing the lawn and then and a then billboard, billboard came down on. and knocked on him? Um, there you go. Well, we got to get the first or first, and then we'll get to the second ones here. So, yeah, Florida yeah. man crushed on either his ex girlfriend, bulldozer, or billboard. Here. Just because of that, Derek, I'm picking billboard. Just because you think it's not billboard, I'm thinking billboard. It. Right. I'm going to ex-girlfriend. ex-girlfriend. I think this was a deliberate attempt. Like, she ran over him so with a car. Now you're saying this is like murder. Yes. Yeah. yeah wow. Yeah, yeah. Again, we, we I didn't say there was a great outcome to this one. So, <laughs> again, Florida's pretty weird. So, we got the first one. Florida man crushed by blank while using his phone, while using drugs, or while using a porta potty Oh, so I got this one in the bag. Okay, give me porta potty all the way, man. This okay. guy is out. He's here. he's at a <laughs> concert. Oh, he's doing something, and the billboard just comes crashing down while he's in the porta potty. <laughs> okay, so he goes porta potty. Nick's locked in on that. I'm one. very Eric, confident in this one. Hmm. I can't pick porta potty based on the the ex girlfriend answer unless they were, uh, you know. Having a Doing having a time in there, but PG that's kind of gross, right? Uh, so I'm gonna opt not for that. Um, also, I don't know how he would be crushed in that situation. Uh, let's see. What, what were the <laughs> other two again? I just... uh, okay, so we got porta potty, drugs, or phone. So a Florida man was crushed crushed by blank while using his phone. Maybe he was on the phone with his with his mistress and his girlfriend. Oh, him hey, that's him. kind of what I was just thinking. Um, yeah, I'll go. I'll go with phone. I like the. I like the reasoning for that. He's on the phone. He's you know, on the phone with a mistress, or he's on the phone with talking yep. talking crap on his his, on his uh, lady. On it, yeah, and she's not happy about it, and she runs him over with a car, or yeah, because again, this is just the headline. It doesn't ever yeah. really go into context, right? Thing, so. yeah, or that, she true. he doesn't realize like he's outside on the deck and doesn't realize. She's, she's like, upstairs on the balcony listening to him, oh, like, drop like, something on him, right? Gives her the, gives like the an people's anvil. elbow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does a WWE move. 
I, you know, I only I, this is what I love about these is because you guys are able to dive deep, and I sit back and I know exactly what had happened. It's unfortunate, actually. It was an intoxicated gentleman on a construction site. Uh, the blade was up high on his bulldozer, and he ran over the porta potty in front of him. So, so it's drugs. Going, oh uh, no, it was porta potty. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. So, so he was. Yeah. So he was a man in a in a he bulldozer was crushed by a bulldozer in a porta potty. In a porta potty. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah, so I got one of those. Florida man one. crushed by a bulldozer while using the porta potty. So, so yeah, wait. Nick so there was a so one. there was a guy in the porta potty, well, and then there was a the second guy who was drunk. Who, he was intoxicated using the bulldozer, and the blade was too high on the bulldozer, so he actually didn't see the porta potty in front of him. And uh, he continued forward. So that was uh, that's the end of that one. But Nick that's actually brutal. does come away with one point. So uh, there's, I guess, uh, your silver lining to the end of that. But uh, second question here of the second round. Nick, coming back here with a couple of points. I like this. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here We're we rolling. Flor- uh, you, you guys will like this one. Got to think deeper than, than this one. Florida man who won a $2 million lottery prize credits is, or excuse me, a $2 million lottery prize credits his blank Sausage blank. <laughs> what? Yes. Uh, yeah. Blank sausage blank. So again, Florida man, he won two million dollars in prizes, but he credits his blank sausage blank for the win. And we'll start with the first redacted word. He credits his prized, his fatty, or his pregnant sausage blank. What? Yes. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I tell you what, it's. This, this is curious. One, this is a, this is a weird one. It makes you think. This is this is curious. Absolutely. So again, I'll read the full thing. Florida man who won two million dollars in lottery prizes credits his prized fatty or pregnant sausage blank. All right. So here's here's what I'm thinking. It could be prized because I'm envisioning like this guy. He's like a farmer, and he's got like a prized sausage. I don't know, pig or something. And it's like he like it's like he like rubbed it or something before he went and bought the lottery ticket. Where he like did something with it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then he won, so that's it. Could be prized. Pregnant? I'm not. I'm having a hard time coming up with the with <laughs> right, any, right. With anything on that one. What was the third option? A uh, fatty. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, instead of lean, like fatty, like a fatty. Sausage. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Instead of lean. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so uh, uh, again, it could be like he's got this like pure fat thing, sausage thing. That he like award winning at the fair. You know, exactly. He won, he won sausage. See, he won the, see, won the blue now, ribbon. now we're on the right train of thought here. Okay. And he so, like did something with it. Are you locked in on prized on the first one here? Is I, that where I, you're going? I or? think I'm gonna go with prized. Yeah. Prized yeah, I think I'm gonna go with prized. Nick locking in on prized here. So again, Florida man who won two million dollars in lottery prizes credits his prized fatty or pregnant sausage blank. Uh Derek, where are you going with okay, this? Okay, I just like you coming up with the answers here. What would have made Sam think, hey, I'm gonna put pregnant <clears throat> as an option here? Yeah, I see. I don't know. I don't understand that option. It's like at all. so random. It I, could be like, like I said, I'm the the pregnant. It could be like a like I said, it could be a pig, and maybe it got pregnant like the same day I, he bought the lottery ticket or something like that. Or something. I am like gonna go pregnant just because it's so out there. Going with pregnant here. Either that or okay. Sam is just as he's coming up with the answers here. He's just like I try and throw through some weird and just like close his eyes. <laughs> boom, that one. I do try and throw some weird things in there. I try and make it as Florida man as possible. So I try and encapsulate what they're thinking, and I go down a weird rabbit hole. So uh, again, so prize for Nick, pregnant for Derek. Let's get to the second one. He's crediting for the two million dollar lottery prize his blank sausage recipe, blank sausage dog. Or his blank sausage casings. I mean, I know where yeah. I have to go based on the pregnant pick. It has to be the dog. Yeah. 
His sausage yeah. dog. Is that like a, a term a for dog. a wiener dog, yeah, right? Wiener dog. Yeah. That's what I would think. I'm going dog. I'm going with dog. So Derek's locked in. All right, now. so we got dog, you, I mean, you sausage casings, one. Do you and commit? recipe. Yeah, recipe, okay. casings, or dog. Do you commit to your your idea here, or where do you go? Yeah, I think, uh, okay. I was thinking about dog, too, because it could be a prize wiener dog that he took to a Ooh, dog show. Yeah. And the Ooh, dog I won the same day that he bought the ticket or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Or it could be recipe. Maybe he like he. So you've he narrowed made... down none of the options. <laughs> no, no, no. I've narrowed down casings. I don't okay. think it's casings, but it could be recipe. Like, like maybe the same morning that he bought the ticket, he made his famous prized sausages and he ate them, and then he bought the ticket and he won. <laughs> right? Could be. I'm going recipe. Going recipe. Okay, so he's sticking with that. Uh, no, it was the family dachshund. Her name is Ivy, actually, and she was pregnant. Yes! And, wow! Uh, Let's go! So, crediting wow. the family dog. Woo! But uh, big, time. big time for Derek right there with the full three-pointer. So, do we have a score update? Uh, it's three see. to two now. So, it was 17 to 14, and it was 2 nothing going into that current round. So, now 3-2, Derek, with Okay, the so I'm up 3-2 this round. This round, correct. It will add up everything else, but uh, you're going to need to come away with the win to gain that tiebreaker because, mm. again, you're down 2-3 to three in the series. So let's get to the final question here. And uh, we haven't gone weird yet, so let's go ahead and get a little weird. Uh, a Florida man was arrested for allegedly trading blank to minors to smell their blank. Mm. So okay. we <laughs> will start with the first redacted word. Uh. A Florida man <laughs> was arrested for allegedly trading vape pens. Gotta love the miners okay. nowadays with their vape pens. Okay. Uh, drugs always in the in the headlines. Trading drugs to minors or Visa gift cards. <laughs> so, a uh, Florida man arrested for allegedly trading either vape pens, drugs, or Visa gift cards to minors to smell their blank. <laughs> and we will uh, we'll get to that one. In a we'll get to that one in a moment. There's nothing from the second part of this that you can like take as a hint to the first thing. Yeah. They're, no, they're, yeah. they're in. Independent, right? Yeah, yeah, they are pretty far I, okay. apart. Okay, I think it might be Visa gift cards, though, because like, dr drugs is just too obvious. Anytime there's drugs involved, it's just too obvious. Okay. The vape pens see. one is intriguing. Vape pens is intriguing because it is like something that it makes that would make some sense too. But yeah, I know. Like the options for smell, I don't even know. What to do with that? Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. I'm gonna yeah. take I'm gonna take a stab in the dark and go with the the Visa gift cards. Okay, Nick, locking in on Visa. I'll be honest. My first yeah. thought was Visa gift cards as well. Okay. But then I started thinking it more in my head. Vapes makes a lot of sense. I was really considering vapes. Well, I started thinking in my head if I was if I was you know getting the mind of the 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 editor the copywriter if you're writing the headline here. Okay. Are you in the headline putting Visa gift cards or are you just putting gift cards? I think you would just say exchanging gift cards in the headline. No, 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 because you're trying to limit, was, you have a limited amount of characters. No, because if it was, if he was only using Visa gift cards, that's an important part of the story. Like, if, he, if he had like, that in the story, if he had like a headline. gift card to like Chipotle, McDonald's, and he was just trading that, right? But if it was all Visa gift cards, if it was all the same Visa gift cards, that's important. That, that should be in the headline. I think that'd be in the story, not the headline. So I am not going to do Visa gift cards. I am going... Oh, it's a 50 50. The mental guess. gymnastics that Derek used to come with that, <laughs> come up with that, that idea. Hey, well, if I'm right. Sometimes you have to think on a deeper level with these ones. So I, I um, yeah, let's let's go with the vape pens. Vape pens, yeah. it is okay. And the. Uh, if it's vape pens, I'm going to be upset because I was thinking about vape pens. The, the redacted word that we were all waiting for now. <laughs> uh, the Florida man arrested for allegedly trading blank to minors to smell their underarms, 
their hair or their feet. So earth. there was not any <laughs> positive way I could spin this one, gentlemen. I tried, but it would have been too obvious. What a weirdo! I, I made, this, yeah, is this guy weirdo. deserves this to be arrested. Okay, so bizarre. Yeah. here's here's here is my question. Now now I'm thinking about this from the standpoint of Derek. If you were 15 years old <laughs> and some guy approached you on the street and said, "I'm going to give you this Visa gift card." Uh, I'm what am I most likely card. to be What like, are you most likely to say yes yeah, to? Yeah, you can smell that. Right? Because, like, if somebody walked up to me and was like, I'm going to smell your armpits, I don't think I would let them do that. <laughs> like, I don't think 15-year-old yeah. me would let them do that. But, like, hair, maybe. Uh, Feet. You know, I mean, I'm not a foot guy. No, you know, see, you know, I maybe, think you're the wrong way on this. I think I'm most likely to let them smell my armpits. Because the, ha the hair, for them to smell your hair, they he's going to like grab your you. head, right? And that's <laughs> yeah. going to be weird. Yeah. For him to smell your feet, you have to take, you your, have to take shoes your shoes, off. your socks off. You gotta, and okay, that's going to be weird. To smell your armpits, you got to take your... I mean, I guess if he's just going... No, I was just thinking, yeah. Okay. If there yeah. was ever going to be an unpleasant experience, though, I, I would give him the armpit. Like, if I ever wanted to trade for an unpleasant experience... Give him the armpit. Yeah, If somebody just stops you on the street and says, I'm going to give you a gift card, or I'm going to give you some bait pens to smell your what? Like, what's, what are you most likely to say yes I'll take to? a gift card to let them smell my armpit. You would? Yeah. 15-year-old, you would? Would you do it, Sam? I don't know. That would have to be a pretty <laughs> hefty gift card, man. Dude, like, <laughs> I mean, how many sniffs are we talking about here, right? I mean, okay, but like two seconds. The same logic, though. Like, you, you, they have to get really close to your face for your armpit. That's true. Too. Like, it's weird. I'm taking foot, a shower right the, after. The, right. The, the feet one is the one that I think makes the most sense because it's they're the farthest. Like, you can be like, here, make them stay away from you, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to. You, they don't have to get close. He doesn't have to get close. To you. Well, see, foot was gonna be my guess too, just because that's the one that makes the most. Like, people have foot fetishes, so yeah. like that yeah. that would be the most popular one that I think would make sense there. I'm gonna go feet or foot, whatever going the with word feet. was. Nick, uh, what did you lock in on? I, I, uh, I don't know because I'm leaning feet, feet hair, too. or underarms. And, yeah, I just uh, it's not a it's not a good conclusion for yeah, either of these. I'm gonna go with feet also. I think. Going with feet as well. So another big three rounder for Derek. Uh, oh man, arrested gosh. for allegedly trading bait pens to minors to smell their. I told you, Visa uh, gift cards. I don't know what it is. Uh, I don't know what it is with. I just thought the vape pens was too too low hanging of a fruit. Mm. So I picked the Visa gift cards. Yeah, well, and this one was kind of obvious, but it was weird enough to where it was like, you know, we'll see what avenues, and we'll see what. Uh, yeah, I think it's weird like, that you would be willing to take a vape pen to someone to smell your feet. Like you're not even getting any financial gain out of it. Again, it's 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 not about the financial gain for the, for some <laughs> folks out there. It's it's about the toes. It's about the feet, gentlemen. Mm. And it's about the big W this week for Derek tying it up at three, and then also using those points uh, and just padding on and getting back into the first Man. ranking of the standings. So another week of Florida Van. Can't believe we're six weeks through this now. I'm gonna have to get uh, in the film room, review some tape, <laughs> do, do a bit, come out, come out stronger next week. Next week. That's yep, right. Review the mm. defense. Uh, thank you, uh, gentlemen, so much for uh, including me. Always, I will see you next Wednesday. That's Sam Speck. Thank you. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chuck Sports Talk. That's Florida Man Mad Libs. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it.